she has uh, a lot of singing in this one. <laughs> and I go, yeah, yeah, there was. And she goes, it's not, it's not a, it's not a criticism. It's just an observation. <laughs> Welcome to Born to Watch, where three old mates, an ex-video shop owner, an industry insider, and a black belt in 80s kung fu movies, put their mastery to the test on movies that change the world. Hey there, fellow watchers. It's that time of the week again. My favourite time, it's Born to Watch, and we are live from the Panic Room. My name is Whitey, and I'm the host, and with me tonight is the Lone Ranger. Dan on the land, how are you, mate? Mate, yeah, a bit weird tonight, uh, running as a duo. We prefer to be a menage a trois, but uh, yeah, just you and me tonight. So uh, our thoughts uh, with the G-Master this evening? Absolutely. It's uh, very sad news that the, the G-Man is dealing with the passing of of Big Al, his dad, a great fan of the podcast, and he will be sorely missed. So Gao is on family duty, and we completely understand. We think he's wherever he is. He's uh, up there with another huge fan of the podcast, uh, Big Paul, and there are uh, no doubt have already had six or 12 beers and abused a couple of barmaids in the time. I'm sure they're giving us uh, a wrap from where they are. So Gao, our love goes to you and the family, and we can't wait to have you back for next episode. You're not going to be too far away. Mate, I fucking hope so because uh, Whitey gave me some more tasks than I'm used to for the podcast. Uh, I don't know if you know, listeners, but I generally tend to wing it uh, on on this uh, wonderful pod. But, yeah, I actually had a task list this week and I only read it once, but uh, I got the guilt and asked our uh, esteemed leader if there was anything I needed to prepare for tonight about five minutes ago and he, he went through quite a big list. So this could go uh, this could go sideways pretty quick. Let's see how we go. We are definitely dividing and conquering tonight. Uh, the, I'm, I'm going to need some more beer. That's all I know. Excellent. And it was noted last week uh, with the musical theme of the episode, and it was questioned as to whether Dan was on the source. And the answer to that question every week is, yes, he is. I'm, just, and I'm, an, I'm an 87% better bloke when I've got a few tins <laughs> up here on the land. So, uh, yes, if, uh, if, if you're thinking that it's Dutch curries, it always is. Absolutely. Look, and we are keeping with the scary theme after Ghostbusters last week. With Halloween fast approaching, tonight we are doing what I can only describe as an exceptional movie and not giving what away about too Halloween? much. Halloween. When we were attackers, Halloween was just Carpo and me and you and Plims going out <laughs> and throwing eggs at things. And yeah. uh, now it's, 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 people go to a lot of effort out here in Australia now for Halloween. Yeah. I- we are seem to be taking on the American holiday in the true sense that it's supposed to be, not just a an excuse to egg people you hate. Yes, or people you like, for that matter. So uh, just egg anyone. Yeah, that's it. No, it was it was yeah. very different back in our day, uh, and yeah. our day was actually quite close to when this uh, this movie was released. But we're getting ahead of ourselves because I haven't absolutely done my where, where I say I'm on the land, and there I say you're it. Should we yeah. should we start that? Yeah, well, just hang on. Look at you. You're really running with this, you know, having more input into this, aren't you? Look, this movie scooped the pool at 92 Oscars. It won the big four. Picture, director, actor, and actress. 1991's Silence of the Lambs. Now, this movie broke the mould, started the obsession that we see now with crime investigation, CSI types of TV shows and movies. 
And here he goes. I have absolute distinct memories of seeing this movie. Now, Morgs, can you remember when you saw and where you saw Silence of the Lambs? Uh, do, you, do you know where? No, because I can't remember what I did yesterday. But no, I have no idea. When did we I see I know it? exactly when we saw it. We saw it together. Yeah. We saw it at Coleroy Cinema. Bullshit. Yeah, when it was released, we saw Coleroy Cinema. Roy Mastaka, uh, I love you, oh. Australia. Yeah. And I distinctly remember the last scene in the dark with the night vision goggles. Oh, remember that being probably that the, the scariest thing I had ever seen at that time. I was 16 at the time, 1991. Yeah. There you go. Give me away my age. Uh, and, mate, it just I walked out of that just going, holy shit, what have I just watched? But it was just incredible. God, you got a good memory. I, I, you could have held a gun at my head and asked me where I saw this movie. Yeah, I knew I it was. It was come close. It was a rhetorical question. <laughs> look and look. I think, but I think, like last week and uh, with Ghostbusters, this movie has one hundred percent stood the test of time. It is as good today as what it was when it was released over thirty years ago. Now, normally we would hear we give ourselves a a little bit of a pat on the back, and we've had a couple of messages, but we're going to change it up. And guys, this week we're asking for a bit of help. We'd love for you to get onto uh, Spotify or onto Apple and, and rate the podcast and maybe give us a review or give us five stars because it would really help the podcast to grow. So do your bit, fellow watchers, and, and give us a hand because we, we want to take this on and, and make it better for all of you. So we'd appreciate it. Thank you. Now, this is normally Gow's job, so this is a bit rough. So we're going to talk a little bit about the synopsis well, of the movie. Told you what I've been doing on the land this week. I've been oh, waiting all week. I was hoping that we'd avoid this, but anyway, Dan, what have you been doing this week on the land? Well, fellow, if we it's big week on the land, so I've actually been exploring uh, alternative vocations up up here on the land this week. So there's uh, there's not a big ask for my uh, my skill set that I had when I was a city boy uh, living up living up here on the land. So I've actually been looking into what uh, what I might do to keep myself occupied and, and food on my children's table. Whilst uh, whilst living up here in the land, because my farming skills aren't aren't great, so me and a, a friend of the pod, M Head, actually went out and uh, we, we 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 thought we'd look into what it takes to be a commercial fisherman up here, and uh, we, we we took out his we took out his eight eight foot tinny and uh, took it out onto the, one of the many lakes up here, beautiful up this way. There's, there's plenty of lakes, and thought we'd become mud crabbers. So that was good. I went down the bait shop and uh, bought a couple of whole mullet because uh, we're just testing. We don't, you know, we're, we're buying our bait at the moment. But yeah, we chucked a few pots in. We took took M Head's boys as well with us, and we we, we chucked a few lines in. Uh, I, I'm sure you realise where this is heading. Caught absolutely nothing, but we did uh, catch a couple of. Of, of muddies that we had to chuck back because they were tiny. But uh, we got through probably seven or eight tins and, and had a great day. So I, I haven't worked out how it's actually going to make us any cash yet. But, yeah, I, I think I might be a mud, commercial mud crabber. That might, might be my new vocation. Really? Yeah, so it's uh, it's 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 definitely in the top three uh, vocations at the moment, and the first one I've put any real time into. So uh, time will tell, but I'll I'll keep everyone up to date with that uh, with that as Emma Head and I look into how best to spend our time uh, up here on the land. Do you want my feedback on that uh, suggestion, Dan? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I think you're going to be very poor and you're going to be very skinny if you are relying on you finding mud crabs to survive. I, I, yeah, I haven't looked into the economics of it yet and what sort of quantities you get, but uh, getting getting two at our first go and having to throw them back, it's uh, definitely no one's going to be paying us for for that effort. But uh, yeah, anyway, it's uh, oh well, it's, look, maybe maybe we, maybe we can spend some time around the pool 
in the in the next week or so and discussing oh, your that's, future. That's what do you coming think? up, isn't it? We're having a, a bit of an away week for for Bourne to watch, so that'll be fun. It will be fun. We're heading to Bali. We're very exciting, and we shall be recording a podcast in Indonesia. I do like it when you come on travels because you, you don't come often, and and so my my memory <laughs> bank of uh, of international well, travel with you is is fairly limited. Probably to the same pool that we're going to be heading to to drink our mango daiquiris in our bintang towers. But uh, yeah, I know the kids are very excited, and uh, it's uh, hopefully going to uh, be quite relaxing. But we've actually booked. Uh, internationally renowned podcast studio over there. So we will be able to bash another one out of well, – are you doing another spooky October or is that over now? Oh, I think it'll probably be over by then, but uh, we'll, we'll think of something we were going to do. We were going to do something, but uh, the G-Man's not joining us, so we'll pick another movie. Should I do my solo Fast Times at Richmond High part? <laughs> or maybe you should do your solo Lost in Translation. I could, well, I'd like to do both, and I could I could speak uh, with, with great eminence on both of those. But I actually watched – Fast Times recently on a flight coming back from New Orleans. And uh, Jesus, Phoebe Cates is a good sort. Great I sort. Can under, I can understand why Judge Reinhold was ripping the ears off it in the bathroom. Kevin she Klein's is, uh, playing well yeah. above his weight. Oh, mate, how did he pull her? She is uh, 21 out of 10. Yeah, great sort. Okay, and Jennifer so Jason Lee was actually good in that one. I know that she gets a bit of a pizzling here on the, uh, on the potty. <laughs> She's but, not a favourite. Uh, no, no, but she was. Uh, I thought she was good in that. But anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that later. Fans, write to me at uh, Born to Watch at MySpace. Blah blah blah. If you would like to see that solo fast fast times pod or or anything on Lost in Translation. Otherwise, uh, it's back to usual programming. Righto. So let's talk about the synopsis of Science of the Lambs, and this is from the back of the VHS cover. FBI agent Clarice Starling, Jodie Foster, is sent to interview in prison killer. Dr. Hannibal the Cannibal Lecter, Anthony Hopkins. She hopes he might reveal information about another crazed killer known only as Buffalo Bill, who is abducting young women, starving them, and then killing them. Lecter's brilliant mind is intrigued by the beautiful starling, and he begins giving her mystifying clues which could be helpful or merely a game. The terror builds as Buffalo Bill grabs another victim, and the countdown to death begins again. Finding the madman means Starling must get inside Lecter's mind to stop the killer. She must enter a terrifying race against death. It's pretty good. Is she a great big fat girl? <laughs> I was wondering how long it would take for the Buffalo Bills to come out. <laughs> would you fuck me? I'd fuck I'd me. I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me. I'd fucking Ted Levine, wowzers. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get into them. So what? Back to sorry, you mentioned VHS cover. Did you yes. make a bit of freight freight out of this back at the video store? Or was yeah, it obviously I, a long time after release date for you? A hundred percent. It was go? still a favourite. I had it in the. It was in the staff choices. It was a mat. It was a mat pick. Yeah. Uh, so lots of my my legion of fans would return to to Science of the Lambs quite often. It did quite yeah. well. Uh, most of the Oscar movies did quite well. It was quite hoity-toity up there at Avalon. They thought they were a bit special. <laughs> but uh, loved Avalon. But what look, about, yeah, uh, no, it did well. What about Manhunter? Because obviously that preceded Silent to the Lamb. So I, I, in preparation for this pod, actually put in some effort and, and thought I'd watch Manhunter previously, which is a Michael Mann joint, um, which is uh, – it's it, it focuses more on Will Graham, who features in other Hannibal and uh, adaptations, which I'm sure we'll talk about the TV series and everything a bit later. But – a uh, very, very different movie. And poor, what I was struck, there's a couple of things I was struck with, but Brian Cox 
versus Anthony Hopkins as Lecter was to poor old Brian Cox. He didn't. He didn't. Put, he was in. He was uh, Hannibal in in Manhunter, and he didn't. It wasn't a bad performance, but he just gets blown off the screen by by twenty four minutes of time that Anthony Hopkins actually has in Silence of the Lambs. But it's a, it's a really stylish film, Manhunter, and it it, it was a, a box office flop and not renowned for for Michael Mann. But on the rewatch, it's it's an excellent film in its own right. Yeah, no, I love Manhunter. It's great. I actually started watching it the other night and then realised I should probably be watching Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> but, it, but it is great. But it, I guess this movie also spurned the the sequel, direct sequel, which was written by Thomas Harris again, uh, Hannibal, which starring Anthony Hopkins. But is that the one when he's in he's in Italy? He's the yeah, uh, curator of the museum. Yeah, correct. And he gets, yeah, and he's got the dude that uh, oh, it's um, Gary Oldman that eats his own face off. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, so no, he, great, uh, I enjoyed that flick. But uh, Jodie Foster famously refused to uh, come that's back. That's right. And Julian as, Moore, uh, Clary to... starring Jodie Foster thought it was too violent, and the, it's all. It's also the the scene which turned it over for her was when Anthony Hopkins make Ray Liotta eat his own brain. So he's oh, flaying his brain as he yeah. sits at the dinner table and and That's sautés right. it and cooks it and makes um, Paul Krendler, who's uh, Ray Liotta, eat his own brain. So that was the scene where Jodie Foster said, "I'm out," and Julianne Moore <laughs> said, "That's fine, I'm in," and she did a pretty good job. But she's oh, she's, she's great. But she's no she's no Jodie Foster. There's no doubt. Uh, so yeah. So also Red Dragon and and as you said before, Morgs, uh, the, the TV series Hannibal, which I think is excellent. Yeah, Mads, uh, Mads Mickelson and uh, and Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, I, I agree. I I didn't quite complete that. I got I got up to the penultimate uh, yeah. few episodes and and let it go, unfortunately. And and they didn't renew the series after I think it was two seasons. So, but it was I thought Mads, Mads Mickelson actually couldn't speak much English when he took that part. So yeah, it was uh, it, it was uh, amazing that he was able to bring that character to life uh, with not not speaking in the language. Oh, it was it was particularly it was, well. It's actually it's it's really worth watching. It's it's actually it's completely three different. Huh? It's it a, is the style and tone yeah. and everything is very yeah. very different, but yeah. really good. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. It it actually does work its way to a finale, which is excellent. It's really worth a watch. It's it's a completely different take. But Mads Mikkelsen is I'm not to say as good as Anthony Hopkins, but he's pretty damn close. And Hugh yeah, Dancy, who but, plays Will Graham, is is great. It's actually a really good cast. It's it's excellent actually. Really yeah. well done. Yeah, well worth, worth a, a watch. Worth a look, yep. beyond the watches. Get into Definitely. it. Definitely. Let's listen to the trailer. You spook easily, Starling. Not yet, sir. He's past the others. The last cell. I'll be watching. You'll do fine. A killer is on the loose. Keeps them alive for three days. Then he shoots them, spins them, and dumps them. A rookie FBI agent is on his trail. He's got real physical strength, cautious, precise, and he's never impulsive. He'll never stop. But in order to track him down, she'll have to match wits. I'll help you catch him, Clary. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. With the darkest of all minds. Just do your job and never forget what he is. But he's a monster. Pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive. So close to the way you're going to catch him. Do you realize that? Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. You told me you don't spook easily. You call this easy, sir? Lester's missing and arm. Man's a raging maniac. Who knows what he'll do? 
Another 80s trailer full of sombre tones and very scary. It does the movie justice. There's very a bit well of padding done. in that trailer, I noticed. There's the, the kind of there's a few, a few musical interludes that uh, just go on. So I don't know how good it would have gone on the radio. Yeah, not ideal. But, you know, no. we've been told do not lose the trailers and we're keeping them in. We've got to yeah. listen to Johnny the, Bull, that's for you, to listen to the fans. Also, Jess. Jess says she's a big fan of the trailer. So oh, thank wait, you, Jess, wait, wait, wait. Did, yes. did you hear back from Goobs? Did he tell you what a snow no, was? No, I haven't heard back yet. I forgot to ring him. He had rung me, but I forgot to ring him back. I've been very busy oh. um, trying to uh, steer this ship in the right direction. Yeah, my fair enough. Number two. What about- I shall give him a call. We'll know, we'll know more uh, for, for the next episode. Any other any other feedback though from the fans? It's been we've um, had a, we've had a bit of feedback. Uh, a couple of people saying that we they really enjoyed the amount of singing that happened in the last episode. I did too. Uh, I did too. Yeah, I think and, that should become a new segment. Yeah, maybe 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 we'll just do a musical episode where we sing the whole thing. I think it's a great idea. Why not? A bit like Why not? a bit like La La Land for Born to Watch. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a. Uh, Something like that, Dan. Something like that. Well, I remind me of Gosling, so uh, I think it could work quite well. <laughs> yeah, you're a Gosler. Don't worry about that. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let's talk about how this movie rates on IMDb. This is eight point six out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes uh, certified fresh again. Ninety five percent on the tomato meter and ninety five percent audience score. As Daniel just gets delivered his dinner. It's going to be this... harder for me to chew now when uh, I can't bludge while you two do all the work. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, this is a movie that really changed the world. Released in 1991, there is no doubt that this was one of the best movies released at the time. And we'll talk a bit about the box office. This movie was an absolute success. Uh, We look at the worldwide box office. This turned over about $131 million, which at that time was, was massive. Do you want to know what the top five is for that year, Dan? Go, give it to me. Okay, and this is worldwide. This isn't just the domestic US. So Beauty and the Beast, number Ugh. one, worldwide really? box office of $248 million. Terminator 2, $204 million. That I can understand, yeah. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, give me a break. Yep. Kevin Cosner. Yep. yep. Yep, and oh, Morgan Freeman, geez. Christian oh, Slater. God. Oh, God. Uh, uh, Mary Elizabeth Antonio. <laughs> oh, God. And Brian Adams doing the soundtrack. <laughs> well, I've got, yeah, I've got some stats on him a bit later. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> $165 million, and then Silence of the Lambs at $130. Wow. Some other, some other great movies that were released. City Slickers uh, was number five with 124 but, you know, some great movies. Naked Gun 2.5, Cape Fear. Uh, another born to watch a backdraft, one of my long time favourites and a go to JFK. Oh, good flick, Mate, long the, flick, long flick. Yeah, yeah, long yeah. flick. Last Boy Scout, Boys in the Hood, uh, My Girl, which we mentioned last week. Yep, uh, and a channel. Absolutely, New Jack yep. City. Oh, yeah, where's the yeah. snipes? Yeah, absolutely. Thelma yeah. and Louise. Oh goodness, Brad Pitt, Susan Sarandon. Point Break. Oh, excellent. The God, Point Break's a great flick. Yeah, we're hanging Give on to two people sandwiches. Uh, out for justice. Oh, Steve's goal. Yeah, great. Yeah. The doors. Oh yeah, Val. Love Val. Yeah, it, it, it's a. It's actually really good. It's a really good. The hard way. That was one of demos we talked to us about the frog dogs the was other week Jay, in the other was that John Claude Van Damme, the, the hard. No, way? the hard oh. way is the one with Michael J. Fox and James Woods. 
Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. vaguely remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, FX2. Um, oh, Brian you know, Brown. Oh, great. It's Brian so good. Denny. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, Toy Soldiers. Oh, com- God, Short Aston. The Commitments. Oh, that was, uh, Commitments was a, it was a thing back in 91, wasn't it? Mate, like that, 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 that soundtrack, everyone had it on CD. Oh, I loved it. Loved the yeah. Commitment soundtrack. The, the lead singer, the big guy, what's his name? Andrew something was Andrew yeah. Strong. Yeah. I think his name yeah. was Andrew Strong. Big it was voice. just incredible big voice, voice, incredible yeah. voice. Uh, yeah, so a lot of good movies out in 91. And it's just one of those years. And, again, we talk about 86, but they just keep coming out with these banging years. And it's probably not until the 2000s when stuff gets to a little bit thin, I reckon, from 80 all the way up to nearly 99, which is known as, quite commonly known as, the greatest year in cinema. I don't agree. I think I think that uh, anything from sort of 86 to 92 is just as good. But, you know, we'll get to 99 and we'll probably get to those other years at some stage as well. It's hard Morgs. to argue, but oh yeah, I look. I, I I did a bit of looking into '91 too, and I, I really enjoyed all the singing last week. So you touched on <laughs> Brian Adams, so that oh, fucking yes. film about Robin Hood. So it was a uh, a bit of a cultural phenomenon at the time. But uh, number one singles in Australia, because this is an Australian podcast, so it'll Go for it'll, it. love it. It'll kind of it'll kind of mirror what happened in the rest of the world. But yeah, of course, number one was Brian Adams. Uh, everything I do, I do it for you from the Robin Hood soundtrack. So There's was, no oh, love it like was, your <laughs> love and no other could give more love. Do you know, he was so appalled by himself after that song <laughs> that he actually gave up music and became a photographer. That's true, kids. Yeah. So, yeah, That's that amazing. shit. But it's... No, it's a really mixed bag, 91. But hang on a minute. But hang on a minute. He actually did yeah. a worse song for Three Musketeers, that one, All for One, where it's Brian oh, Adams, yeah. Sting, Rod Stewart. That's it. We're the one you love is the one you want. The one like you the, need. Was he the Alan Thick of uh, movie soundtracks instead? <laughs> possibly. So not, just yeah, not for TV. On that song, so. on that mm. song, All for One, they all sang their parts in separate parts of the world and it was just ah, mixed in a studio. So they were gotcha. never together. Yeah. Wow. So but they yeah, had their three-part harmonies. Gow could have told us all about three-part harmonies. but Absolutely. And that's just a bit about how the sausage is made that you find out you want to watch. But, yeah, let me let, take a look back at 91. It's just, my, my read is that it's all over the fucking shop. So uh, a favourite <laughs> of mine at the time and a, and a friend of the podcast, Nick Torpy. So the number two single in Australia in 1991 was actually an EP and it was by Ratcat and it was oh. the Tingles EP. So we all had that. So um, they told me I will love you. I will really love you. bad news. Yeah, so anyway, <laughs> wow, but then it gets a bit shit after that. So Grease Megamix was actually the number three. Rest in peace, Olivia Newton-John and stop being a weird cunt, John Travolta. Uh, but number four, a big, big favourite of every red-blooded Australian female and male, our mate Daryl Braithwaite, big friend of the podcast with the horses. That horses. was actually that was that was a nineteen ninety one jam. I didn't I wow. realize that until looking into that. But yeah, it's all like this is so strange. It's all like you could be mine, Guns N' Roses. So, oh, that's, uh, that's I think that's almost my favorite Guns N' Roses song. It's pretty good, obviously for yeah. the Terminator Two soundtrack as well. Yeah. But then it gets a bit weird. Read my lips by Melissa. 
Um, oh, Melissa, Melissa to Couts. That's it, to Couts. Yeah. Solid, solid yeah. TNK, I think. Melissa yeah. Couts. Uh, and then, uh, say that I love Oh, you. more than words. Not the words. Extreme. Extreme, yeah. yeah. Nino Bettencourt. Yeah. Um, Gary, then, uh, Gary Cironi. This one's pretty good. <laughs> I've been thinking about you. <laughs> London Beat. Is that London I've been Beat? Yes. About, yes, London Beat. Then, <laughs> I've so, been thinking about you. Um, then, then, there's a couple. Rock set, Joyride. I mean, oh, the shoot song. Sure. Unforgettable. Hang on. Natalie sure. Cole and her dad. Yeah. Is, what, which one's sure? Is it the, the one shoot, turn back time? Oh, okay. it's, in his, it's in his kiss. Ah, right, yes, yes. That's from uh, uh, Mermaids. This is the movie it. Mermaids. Right, said Fred, I'm too sexy. They're oh, arguing. They've got beef with Beyonce at the moment. My daughters were telling me there's something going on with Right, Beyonce. said Fred, do. Yeah, I think she sampled maybe I'm too sexy. And they, they obviously, you have to give permission these days to sample everything. But to get a bit, get a bit of press for themselves, they tried to say that they didn't give uh, Beyonce permission. And she just went, please. please. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Martika. Love, oh. they will be done. Yeah, nice. Oh my god, Divinals. I think her better song. Her better song was "Toy Soldiers." Yeah, I was, I was just thinking, I do. Step I, by I step, heart <laughs> to heart, left, right, left, we, we all fall down, down like toy soldiers. I touched myself to the finals. Uh, Big audio, dynamite two. Um, yeah, it's, mm. it's just a weird, weird year with lots of. Weird ass pop, but uh, number twenty, I wanted to bring you back, and we'll wind it up here, kids, because uh, I could do this all day. But uh, number twenty was by a little band out of Newcastle that was particularly fond of a young, uh, a young Matt White and, and Dan Morgan, and uh, oh, we actually jets. we actually performed this song at yeah. uh, at assembly <laughs> at Cromer High. Yeah, so did. so picture this: we had a band, we had a band called Vomit. Back in the day, and and Matt was the lead we singer, did. and I, I was the I was. Uh, I was the bass player, moody bassist. Yeah, I was the moody bassist, and we actually uh, we somehow convinced our esteemed principal uh, Jerry the Pisshead to let us go up and play that <laughs> on uh, on assembly. And so the first time in history, I've actually seen Matt White lose confidence, and he decided that he wasn't up for it in singing yeah. in front of a thousand Bailed. people a uh, a screaming jet song called Better. Which, Still uh, don't know what happened <laughs> when you knocked upon you my door. You would have crushed, crushed it if you didn't bottle it. But uh, hey. you had the life you lived, all the dreams you had before. What was uh, what was humorous about that is that uh, we didn't think that the lack of a vocalist and lead singer <laughs> was a reason not to do the performance. So me and Nunzi and Clint. Uh, and Andy Tomo decided, fuck it, we're, we're still going to play. We'll just do it as an instrumental. And uh, it's a, look, it's a, it's a good track, but what makes it good is Dave Gleason screaming out the vocals to better, not for suspect musicians playing acoustic style with the only lyrics you hear from the bassist going, two, three, four, about four minutes into Say the song. So, yeah, yes. Uh, Anyway, look, um, look, Dan. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, I'm still sort of recovering from that. The PTSD runs deep. I'm not proud of that uh, moment, and my sincerest apologies go out to to yourself and to uh, to Nunzi, to Clit, and to uh, Andy Tomo. I let you down, and I've been it's been my cross to bear for for 31 years. For 31 years, I can't believe I I didn't have the balls to uh, to go through with that. 
Yeah, it was a piss-weak effort, but uh, we'll get over it soon. But other than that, that look, that, I could go on with music for forever, but it was just definitely a mixed bag. But as far as what else was going on in the world, just some uh, some highlights. Uh, the, the USSR split up for the first time, so the Cold War ended for the first time since 1947 in 1991. Obviously, uh, Mr Putin's been a bit of a fucked hard at the moment and, uh, and, and ramping that shit back up. But, yeah, it was Boris Yeltsin was... Uh, was definitely bringing, uh, if not democracy, then certainly uh, a populist vote to the, uh, oh, the, the the socialist republic back then. And was Scorpions was 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 Winds of Change ninety one? Excellent question, Matthew. Excellent question. It was, you can't answer fact, it though, can you? It, no, it was. It was in fact yeah. ninety one. Yeah, oh, it was yes. based, based on the events that were happening at the time. I mean, Operation Desert Storm. They went out to take um, take old mate Saddam. Out and uh, obviously creating a lot of great content off the back of that. So, what's that? What's that, David Solomon jam that we love? That um, the watch all the time. No, 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 uh, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Um, Generation Kill. Uh, Generation Kill. Kill. Gener- Generation oh, Kill. Look, fellow Fwits, if if you do one thing this weekend, just just get Generation Kill out and watch. It's about eight episodes. It is fucking fantastic. Excellent. Yeah, it's all about um, the the original uh, Desert Storm and just how dysfunctional the, uh, the the war machine is that is the United States military and just uh, how the hell they actually go about things. I mean, it's, it's literally just uh, it's it's a shotgun blast when you when you need a pea shooter. Or Essentially, so there's really, a really, really great story. Just just on the uh, on the scorpions, there's a really good podcast which I, I will put a link in the in the show notes about how the scorpions were funded by the CIA and to, to and actually with the CIA wrote Wings of Change. And, awesome, and it's a great podcast. And it, look, it, it's probably bullshit. But I tell you what, it's for conspiracy theorists out there. It's a fucking good podcast, mate, and a fucking good song. Great song, and great again, song. Couldn't speak a lick of English and just crushed it. What uh, What else were we doing in '91? <coughs> Pardon me. So we we've talked a bit about our our starring roles in Little Shop of Horrors, the musicals. So other than that, we were playing we were playing some uh, fairly decent basketball there in under 16s or under 17s. Yep, I had a good oh. year of footy. Uh, good yeah, year in under 16s of, uh, of That's footy. Right. Successful you year for the, me. Uh, you made the Aussies with your best mate. That was uh, that was exciting <laughs> times. It's probably the last time that I spoke to him. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Year eleven, Cromwell High School. So life was uh, pretty easy, fucking peasy, if I remember it. Now we 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 wag school to go and see Terminator Two, which I'm sure yeah. we'll talk about it on the uh, on the T Two pod. Yeah, we're we'll gonna we'll have to get Sunny Payne. I'm, I'm living on his land, and he is so keen to jump <laughs> into the the booth. The guy's seen that movie fifteen hundred times. Uh, he does. Yeah, so he, he needs he'll to be in. Here, He's so. going to be our guest. He's going to be our guest uh, in the studio for T Two. We might Brilliant. even be able to get you down here uh, for T two, Dan. What do you reckon? I'll come down to the panic room. I mean, Sonny can come down from uh, from his land. That sounds good. The other one he's desperate to do is Predator, so we'll have to talk about that at some stage. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Look, we could but talk yeah, forever. Ninety one was a it was a fantastic year. Lots of going on. Great music. Great world events. Great Cromer High School shenanigans. Yeah, bring it. Yeah, good year. Good year. Look, let's move into the cast. Jodie Foster, uh, starring as Clarice Starling. Won the Academy Award for Best uh, Actress at the time, but would now be Best Actor in a female role. But uh, she, wasn't, Meg, she wasn't first choice for the role, huh? She wasn't, no. Meg Ryan, Michelle Pfeiffer actually were uh, looked at for the role and Nicole Kidman actually read for the role as well. But there were over 300 uh, actresses in Hollywood actually auditioned for the role of Clarice Starling. 
It's interesting because I, I couldn't. Re- I think she crushes it and, and very worthy winner of the of the Academy Award. But uh, Michelle Pfeiffer would have been interesting. I guess she was yeah. kind of at a zenith at that time. But yeah. um, Nicole Kidman, maybe yeah, for sure. Meg Ryan is a strange choice. I don't know how she would have gone playing. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that's. I mean, we. I met a lot of these Gloria Starlings when I was recently in the Southern United States, and and certainly, um, I, I did spend some time at Quantico and and going through some of their training when we were in Virginia and it, it's a, it's an excellent, excellent place. So you're amazing, Dan. This is, yeah. uh, this is Jodie Foster's second, uh, Academy award in four years. So she won for the accused in 88. Accused, look, is, she... accused is not something you'll want to see again. But no, it it's great, a one watcher. It's a mm. one watcher. And look, interesting, interesting fact is that Jodie Foster actually tried to, and we'll probably get to this, but I'm going to spell it, spoil it now that Jodie Foster tried to buy the rights for this, but she got uh, pipped at the post by Gene Hackman. And, uh, oh, she wanted she wanted to produce it as well. She wanted to produce it as well. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, so another another interesting fact about uh, Jodie Foster is that she was in a copper tone ad when she was about four years of age or three years of age. So I remember the uh, the body lotion. I guess the copper tone body lotion. Yeah. It was essentially just vegetable oil that you rubbed on yeah. your skin to to turn you into a turkey that that Newman from uh, Seinfeld would have loved to eat. And <laughs> yeah, so she was in. She was that was one of her first gigs. As a kid, as a child actor, obviously what, how she's. How old was she in 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 Taxi Driver? Because she was so young. Yeah, I think she was twelve in Taxi wow. Driver. Yeah, look, Taxi Driver is next level. Uh, grim, starring grim, as Iris. Grim, grim. Yeah, very, very grim. But it sort of it put, I guess, it put her on the map. You know, she did some she did some great movies after that. Freaky Friday. Uh, she's been in so much stuff: The Accused, Silence of the Lambs, Summersby Maverick. She actually was a was a voice and a, a guest star on the X Files. She did Contact. She did Panic Room. What do you think of Contact? Odd. I'm not a huge fan of Contact, and nah, it's sort of my neither. kind of movie. Nah. But but she plays one of one of probably my favourite roles of her, which is of a later movie, which is where she plays Madeline White in Inside Man, the Spike Lee movie with Denzel Washington. Yeah, and I the have one seen where that Clive Owen yeah. Clive Owen is is hides in the bank. Yeah, it's a great. Well, movie. Are we gonna are we gonna do Croupier on the the podcast anytime soon? <laughs> do you think? You have. Asked Who doesn't about love that? a Clive Owen movie? Uh, movie yeah. about him him being a Croupier in 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 nineties London. Like it's just it it sells itself. Well, it does. You've you've got you've got me sold, Dan. We'll just uh, we'll check and see how the public. I don't know with that G, one. The G man would have seen that one. No, no, and obviously this this movie's a one two punch, and the two the the two leads are next level. Anthony Hopkins really asserts himself as one of the great actors of his generation, and this is really his breakout role as Hannibal Lecter. Robert Duval was actually looked at for this role. He's actually the first choice, uh, and he actually pulled out. Yeah, that I can't sort of cleared. Before that, though, Gene Hackman, who held the rights, was actually penned in to be Lecter until there was a director change. So this was going to be Gene Hackman as Hannibal Lecter, which, yeah, I tell you what, he's, a, he's an actor. He could, I reckon he could do it, but can you see anyone else playing Hannibal Lecter other than Anthony Hopkins? No way, no way. No. And and having been able to compare a couple of Hannibals, so obviously Mads Mikkelsen in the TV show, Brian Cox in Manhunter, he's just he's on another plane. Like it's uh, it would be very difficult. And and I love Gene Hackman, love what he can do, but I can't see anyone uh, supplanting supplanting Anthony Hopkins in that role. No way. No, he's a, he's a, he's an he's amazing, and look, it really, he I guess he became known as in the when he when he was uh, Doctor Frederick uh, Trevers in the Elephant Man in nineteen eighty, but it really wasn't until ninety one when he really broke in with 
Silence of the Lambs. And after that, he became the jobber's jobber. Yeah. He was he was in he's in hundreds of movies. Uh, he what played the, um, Is it the Two Popes? Have you, you seen that recently? No, I haven't seen the Two Popes actually at all. Fantastic. I need to watch it. Yeah. yeah. Fwits, fellow F you've probably already seen it, but if you haven't, Netflix movie came out uh, a while back. I didn't know a lot about the story, but there was a bit of a bit of a crossover, a bit of a weir with that uh, with the popes, and Anthony <laughs> Hopkins is fantastic in it. So uh, yeah. yeah, just just brilliant movie. But so he was in he was in Dracula. He played Van Helsing in '92. Uh, he's in my God, The Remains of the Day '93, Legends of the Fall in '94, which is a favourite of mine. Flick. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's like a fa- I don't mind it, but it yeah. it, it actually it goes nowhere. The movie's nah. about nothing. It nah. is a Brad Pitt. It's a Brad Pitt calendar shoot. Yeah, he looks amazing. Yeah. He's like he the most fuckable human on the planet in Legends of the Fall that's ever lived. Yeah, yeah. And the, yeah, but the movie it. is that's what it's about. You just they just want people to stare at Brad Pitt for two hours and go, oh my god, and and it achieves that. But I don't know what else it achieves. But I quite enjoy it. Uh, he's he's played Nixon, uh, Richard Nixon in Nixon in '95. Then he was in The Edge with uh, with our El McPherson and. Uh, and Alec what Baldwin. Was, what was the edge? I don't think the I've edge is where that. they had the plane crash, where uh, he goes on the on the on the fishing or goes hunting with Alec, uh, Alec oh, Baldwin, who's that. banging, who's he's banging really on the rich person. Guy. He's a rich I've, guy. I've yeah, a rich guy. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's in Armistad. He's in The Mask of Zorro. He's in Meet Joe Black. He's in Mission Impossible Two. He's in he's in Hannibal. He's <laughs> Mate, jobbing. He's jobbing. He is jobbing. He is he's doing in some years. Like in 2007, for instance, this is just one. There's Fracture, Slipstream, ba- Beowulf, Beowulf, the game. Like he's doing voiceovers, he's doing movies. He's sometimes doing four or five movies in a year. Like this guy jobs. He could be the jobber as jobber. He could job. Yeah. And then his paycheck. Back end, he's a bit of a paycheck. He's obviously in Westworld, the TV series. Yeah, you, did you keep up with Westworld? Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't get the back end. I've watched like the first two seasons. I didn't get to season three yet. Nah, lost lost me. I yeah. Um, yeah I, I just didn't invest the time necessary into it. But Plims loves it. There's definitely some yeah. some fans out there. Absolutely. But look, obviously one of the great actors of our generation, and and the, I you're gonna have to go a long way to find a better character than Hannibal Lecter, and he just crushes this. Yeah. Doesn't I don't think it works with anyone else other than him. Jack Crawford, played by Scott Glenn, born to watch favourite. Obviously, uh, we talked about him in Backdraft, and he's another jobber. Been a lot of stuff over the years. Does a heap of stuff in the 80s. Uh, but really, the highlight the highlight for me with him is Silverado in 85. One of the great movies. Love it. Great Western. Uh, he's also in The Hunt for Red October. He's uh, Bart Mancuso, the, the, the submarine captain. He's obviously he's in Backdraft. He's in The Player. Plays himself in The Player. So you've no, got, no. you got to love that. Courage Under Fire, Absolute Power, Firestorm. Courage Under Fire, is that, is that Meg Ryan and uh, Matt Damon is like the Correct. world's skinniest man? Correct. Yeah, Correct. yeah he's that. very skinny. In it. One of Matt Damon's first roles, and it was his, cho- it was his choice to make him look really super smacky, and uh, he's definitely yeah. head on the stick. He's Morgs in, in 93. But then he's in The Bourne Ultimatum. He's in W. He's in Secretariat. Like, he's, he's another jobber. He really is. Bourne Legacy. It's crazy the amount of movies this guy's in. He's had a great career. Uh, I love him in everything he's in. He's he's distinct. He's a quality yeah. actor. And of course, the very easy one degree of uh, Kurt Russell this yes. week. 
Yes, plays well done. His, uh, yeah. Plays the axe in backdraft. So it's going to have. It's it's been pretty easy this one to grip. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters was the only one we've we've had some real problems with. And we still admit, I had someone come out and say, is it Larry King? Because he interviewed him. And no, that doesn't count. Uh, oh, that would, if, I would have said it counted. Yeah. No, no, didn't count. So anyway, <laughs> we move on to, we move on to the book frat girl, uh, Jamie Gum, uh, Buffalo Bill. Ted Levine. Ted Levine. Ted Levine. Now, to be perfectly honest, I'm not sure that this movie did him any justice because I, he didn't get a, he hasn't done a heap of stuff afterwards. I think he's been, he might have been pigeonholed as a psychopath, but he's amazing in this movie. And for the amount of time that he's in it, which is not a lot, uh, he is excellent. One of the ones, one movie that I remember him of Morgs, and you, it's a favourite of ours. Yeah. What would it, what would that be? Oh, he was in Heat. He's one of uh, yep. he's one of Pacino's boys in Heat. One of the cops. He certainly is. He yeah. certainly is. So that's that's probably the only other role I really recognise him from. Yeah. So he's done a bit else? of. He's done quite a bit of TV stuff, uh, yeah. but mate, to be perfectly honest, not a lot. And you know, it's I guess he may have. He was in American Gangster in '07. Look, he's just he's a jobber. He's that bit part. He's done quite a bit of TV stuff. He spent most of his time on the TV. He's in Ray Donovan. Uh, oh, he, big favourite of Born to Watch. Absolutely. Uh, he was, and just recently, probably more recently, he's in Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, which is a pile of steaming shit. Yeah, but uh, but he's in that ring and what they can out of that particular tent pole. So. Yeah, definitely. Oof. But definitely spent the most, the bulk of his career on TV. Probably couldn't get out of the shadows of uh, Buffalo Bill, which is not surprising because he did a damn good job in that. Uh, now we're getting thin. Now we're getting to the real bit players, but I reckon almost this guy almost steals the show every time he's on the screen. I am crawling, and that uh, Anthony Hield is uh, Doctor Frederick Chilton. Which one? Which doctor is he? He is the oh, doctor. The, that oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, okay, the, you're right that he, uh, that he, that he, that Hannibal has over for dinner. Uh, he's having correct. an old friend over for dinner. Yes, yeah. yes. So the guy yeah. in the in the uh, in the jail or in the in the hospital. He's he's he, Will, he's William Atherton character, dickhead level. Yeah, good. he's he's so. um yeah he he's excellent in this movie. Yeah. When he's flirting with Starling at the start. Oh God. You know, and, and she's trying to just sort of fob him off. Actually, now that I see this, there's another one degree of Kurt Russell. Yeah. Because Anthony Heald mm. is in Silkwood. Oh. And Kurt Russell is in Silkwood. It's just too easy. Kurt yeah. Russell, fuck Kevin Bacon. Seven yeah. degrees of Kevin Bacon. Kurt Russell yeah. is the most easy player Absolutely. In, the, uh, in the degree game. But Anthony Hield was big on in TV. He spent most of his time in TV. Did some bit some bit parts in some smaller movies before he was Dr. Frederick Chilton in 91. And then really, he's in Searching for Bobby Fisher. He's in The Pelican Brief. He's in The Client. You know, he, but then spends the most of his time in TV again. Uh, he's in a time he's in a time to kill. He's, oh, uh, he's Dr. Wilbur Roadheaver. Every, every Grisham adaptation. He loves it and mm. he, he's actually he's actually in 8mm. Oh, he plays Nick the slimy, he, yeah. He plays the slimy, uh, the the assistant to the 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 dad who committed suicide, the old guy. You you, you watched that recently, didn't you? I did rock. The, I did watch that recently. Yeah, yeah obviously, I've been, I've been, mm, it's worth watching. It. Look, you know what? Yeah. It's actually it's actually worth watching. It is not great, but it's 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 an it's an interesting Nick Cage performance. Yeah, it's worth it's worth just a little look. At. Uh, and then the last last but not least, by any stretch of the imagination. Frankie fires on. 
And it doesn't matter what else he has done. What is Frankie Fires on in, Daniel? Is it that? Uh, is Barney. It that sh- <laughs> it's what? He's Barney. In in what? In The Simpsons? No, he's Barney in Silence of the Lambs. He is, oh. He's the black orderly. He's the black orderly. Yes. What, sorry, what, what is what's, he what's in? What's he in? Well, come no. on. Come on, Dan. Come on, Dan. Come on. I'm going to win. This is me winning. I think you may win this because I did. I remember was I was watching it the other night. Going, oh, I know that. Guy. So you you going. rip into me about yeah. not watch having seen all of this yeah. TV series. He is Commissioner Irving Burrell. Oh, in the wire. In the wire. He is. Oh, that that hurts. Sorry, Franking. He's uh, and he's, he's in. Dead. He's Sorry, in nearly. Too. He's in. He's in forty-seven episodes of the wire. Yeah. Damn it. I just yeah. I just shut. The he's bed on excellent. That one. He's excellent. He is. He's uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can confirm he's excellent, but yes, <laughs> I'll take. Uh, I, I get a bad rap for not not spotting and, that, but uh, yes. And, and it doesn't matter anything else that he's in, because that's all that matters. The world. oh, he will. He will always be uh, yes. the the, the commish there. So yeah, good work. Well played. Yeah. So, well, we should we we should talk about Jonathan Demi, the director. Who won the Academy Award for for directing. so dual dual Academy Award winning director? Amazing one for Philadelphia as well. Yes, and I'll, I'll talk talk a bit more about it in film school for fuckwits. But a very unique style that's been copied a lot over the years. But was probably he, his use of point of view and of uh, extreme close up or super tight close up is something that on the rewatch was was super evident. So yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll riff on that a bit, uh, fellow fwits in in film school for. But uh, yeah, I, I, I passed away recently. Yes, he did. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously, just an incredible craftsman, and uh, and and really trusted his actors a lot. He just, uh, it, as far if you look at how he, anyway, we'll talk, we'll talk more about that in film school for, for yep. F wits. Yep. But Absolutely. yeah, in, incredible, incredible storyteller for sure. Okay, so let's let's move on to question time. Daniel, is this the greatest portrayal of a serial killer that we've seen on film? Now, let me give you some other comparisons. Go. Give it so, a we're going to have Brian Cox in Manhunter as yep. Lecter. Yep. Kurt Russell as stuntman Mike in Death Proof. Excellent. Tobin Bell as Jigsaw in the Saw movies. Not my thing, but yep. Kevin Spacey, John Doe, seven. Very, very, very good. Andrew Robinson, Scorpio Killer, Dirty Harry. Also excellent. Okay, and here's one. Brian Thompson, Night Slasher, Cobra. <laughs> He's got a really interesting head, that's for sure. Pig. So, uh, Pig. Yeah. <laughs> um, really, I mean, it's look, it's it's in very, very difficult as far as iconic serial killer characters. I'd add the TV show Dexter, the first like four seasons as well. I think um, Michael C. Hall, the uh, yes. the actor there, was uh, was incredible. That was a brilliant show. It, it, Americans look. American listeners, just you don't have to do 24 episodes of every season, like yeah. quality over quantity. You didn't have to wring so much out of that particular series. Dexter was awesome for the, the first the, few series, and then it just the, got the, ridiculous. Yeah, the, the, fina- the, the finale of season four of Dexter mm. is almost the best episode of television I've ever seen. Agreed, agreed. It, it is, was it a is, must, must watch. John John Lithgow plays mm. the, the serial killer in that, yep. in that season. Yeah, and the and the finale of season four left me breathless. Rocked, it was that good? Rocked almost uh, as it, good as the last few few episodes of Breaking Bad. Would you agree? Oh, 
I'll take yeah, absolutely. I'll take your word for that. <laughs> so no, if I'd... we're leaving, if we're leaving Michael C. Hall out because yep. that's TV, uh, it has to be. It has to be Anthony Hopkins, doesn't it? Oh, it's it, the list you've just said. Oh, poor old Brian Cox, unfortunately, gets uh, gets Hannibaled off the screen by by Anthony Hopkins' performances. The other ones you mentioned, though, they are all strong performances. Uh, we laugh about Cobra, but he is uh, yeah. he definitely yeah. uh, left with uh, that being uh, a, a very uh, scary performance there. But uh, have you been watching any of the Dharma yeah, uh, it, series it's, on it's, Netflix? It's yeah, absolutely. I've watched all of it. It's brutal. It's, so it's not, amazing. Not in, coincidentally, 1991 was when Dharma's crimes were discovered and they discovered the boys and men in his uh, at his pad in 1991. But I haven't watched it yet. I, I'm not sure that I'll give it a run. It's uh, Horror's not never – like, I, I don't know. Silence of the Lambs, I would call a thriller rather than horror. It's, it's yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I it's, agree with it's, that. It's, it's, it's definitely – there's some spine-chilling moments, but I, I think – it's not gory. It's not. It's not overtly um, use of of gore and the like. It's it's more a, a thriller, I, I would say. But yeah, I, I don't know that the Dharma stuff. It's just so. Ridiculous. Evan Peters, who Evan Peters, who plays Dharma, is next level good. If he doesn't yeah. win an award for that portrayal, I'll I'll give you the tip, Dan. It it I wouldn't go so far as to say that Dharma is a horror story yeah it's it's again it's that psychological thriller you there is absolutely no violence literally yep. no violence in the show yeah it's all uh it's all after the fact it's all just assumed violence yep. Yep. and it's the aftermath and there's actually not a lot of gore it's just because you know what he did mm. and it's just be, and, and if you then start to look at like there's a lot of stuff on social media where it's the set that they use for his room against photos of his real room that the that the police had taken, oh, and they have matched it down to a T. It is shocking how real it is. Yeah, uh, it well worth a look. Absolutely great miniseries on on um on Netflix. It's amazing. Yeah, yep. all right. I'll take it under advisement. But yep. back to your original question. No, I don't think you can beat Anthony Hopkins as uh, the the serial killer. Uh, Absolutely. Of, um, yeah, definitely agreed. Numero okay. Uno. What else you got? Question two: Did Jack Crawford want to bone Clarice Starling? So I, this is the only issue I have. It is not a big one with the movie. So it, just the, I don't understand what their relationship was at the start. Was because they 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 talk about the fact that she challenged him in a open forum when he was a guest lecturer and she was a student. But was yeah. that enough for him to then appoint her to go and? interview Hannibal Lecter like it, it's, it was a bit weak the way that I think they introduced their previous well, th- relationship I, so I think that what I what what I found is I watched really carefully this time is that it made it quite obvious that the FBI is a boys club right right of course so and if, there's if, some great scenes so, that show so that, throughout. That, yeah. that first setup where she's running she's on her own she's running yeah. on her own yeah. then when you see her come into the thing it's all men running together yeah. Right. And she's running on her own in the woods. Yeah. She then comes in. It's all males. There's like two females that she sees. Yeah. Then she hops into the lift. It's all males. Yeah. She gets out. She sees one girl who's obviously administration yep. walking through the hall. Then it's all men. And so I think that what Crawford is saying is, well, she's not, she's not even the top of her class. She's in the top third of her class, mm. but she's female. She's attractive. They're going to try a different tact with him. That's why I saw it. It's like, well, so that was she all was it just is. that was. It was I reckon that's all. Right. Okay. That's what I yeah. feel it is. I just think it's like. Have you, have he, you read he's the book? Taken, yeah, I have read the book, and yeah, I does can't it, does really it, recall. Uh, there is mm. there is more sexual tension in the yeah, book okay. between yeah. Crawford and Starling. I think there is less 
it feels like possibly that yes, he does want to bone her, and Hannibal makes that point in the mm. at the start. But he's also, I think, he's also using her as a bit of a pawn, and especially when he takes her on site when they're going to see the first body, and he's like, well, you know. Can we talk in, away from her? Can we, you know, the, he's using her as a bit of a diversionary. Mm, mm. And I think that she is just the unlucky or lucky, you know, it was her chance. Mm. She just happened to be the, in the right place at the right time. Okay. That's well, what that, it seems like in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I, because I, I, I thought, and I've obviously seen it many times, and I was yeah. watching out for any other clues as to why she may have been selected, other than than the exposition that they had throughout. And okay, that but that makes sense. So yeah, and I think it's really what I, I found really enjoyable on the rewatch too, and not not a Crawford scene, but the fact that obviously Crawford, if if you believe his strategy was to stick Clarice in front of Hannibal because it was something different, it's something that he would find amusing, and it's really. He, uh, he he's not uh, Hannibal's not into it at all. He's kind of uh, decides that no, he's not going to help until Migsy in yeah. the uh, in the incredible scene debases mm. uh, debases Clarice with that uh, with the jizz flick, which is an amazing shot, by the way, and uh, fairly <laughs> fairly naughty s too. He had a bit going well, on because there's not a lot to do in those cells. I would have thought that he was knocking the head off that often and wouldn't have had such. He'd have a, nothing uh, left. No, no, no. <laughs> so definitely. Um, Interesting well, that, that he was able to conjure so many swimmers to uh, to flick well, at it. Well, that actually leads us into the next question. Yeah, is the mix scene the most confronting scene in the movie? It's it was it was and rewatching it again because I, I was number one. I was interested in the fact that they used that as part of the uh, the, the the plot was that Hannibal only was really interested again in Clarice because he was so disgusted with what Miggs did and, and yes. how he, uh, he insulted her. But, yes, the fact that it, it the shot is so perfect and just lands in her hair, it's 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 confronting. It, it yeah, really it was. And, and having yeah. seen it many, many times, the movie, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely up there as a very uncomfortable scene to this day. And yeah. uh, I think an amazing, uh, amazing moment to include it and uh, to have the balls. Well, the, the, there was, the there was two, runner. there was two things that happened there because I think it was definitely the first time that I'd heard the C bomb dropped in a movie. Same, mm. definitely the first time I'd heard it. Americans can't say can't. It's, yes, it's, they can't. Yeah, they cannot <laughs> say it. Like so, you guys, America, we love you. You're great at all sorts of things, but you can't say can't. I've got to say though, it's becoming more prevalent now. Like it's, it's you've got to go a long way to in most TV series and movies of a certain rating where they don't drop something similar or that. But this was definitely the first time I'd heard that, and then throw that into the the next part where he's flicking his jizz onto her. Yeah, with such perfect precision. To oh, get through amazing, the, amazing! Through shot. the through the bars. Oh, there's, but uh, that's a, that's into a, a technical hair. technical shot, and yeah, uh, a bit on a face. Yeah. Um it was it oh, was a in good the shot. Hair, in the hair. Yeah. Like it's, but oh. then my, my question my question was, and this is another question I don't have down, but mm. she she got out of there like it looked like there was nothing in her hair. Like I've seen something about Mary. There's gonna be some issues with your hair afterwards. I did Did, I did. Barney wipe it out? Did yeah. she her hair was still dry? She didn't so what did she do? Where where'd it go? 
I too would like to know that. Yeah, it's an unanswered question from yes. uh, from Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. A fairly horrific question to pose, but yes, uh, I think yes. if you, of the whole, the only other scene that I think is comparable, and I I missed it. I think in all the other viewings, but the, and it's only a flash. It's a tiny scene, so we know that um, that James Gum Buffalo Bill is creating his his woman suit out of the skin of these uh, great big girls, and I hadn't seen. The actual progress of his suit, where there's actual, he's, yes. he's almost done. I'd never noticed it in all the viewings yes. until this one, and so he, I mean, he did a pretty good job. Like, but he's a he's a uh, a featherweight, and he was. Uh, I'm not quite sure how it works where uh, skinny little James Gum is going to fit into this uh, this size 14 <laughs> suit that he was creating. But yeah, he did a good job. It was uh, there was there was quite a bit of bush I noticed as well. So yep. that was his yep. preference. Um, yep. it, it probably was uh, was was the the last sort of hurrah for pubes. Uh, 1991, I think. Uh, after that, <laughs> I think it's still had a good about. decade left. Well, well, yeah, yeah, pubes still had a good decade. I, think, yeah, I don't think it was it. until the noughties until the pubes became. 2001, you know, 2002. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah it's, uh, it definitely was, was not something that that carried on uh, in in female anatomy. But uh, yeah, I, that that was the only other scene where I oh god, yeah, that's pretty grim. So, but I I think I agree. I think I have to give it to Migsy. That was uh, and and Migsy's obviously been very fond of us. <laughs> over many absolutely, years. We, we've called uh, a great friend of ours, good friend of the. Uh, of the pod, Digs the Migs has been so so called since 1991. Yes. So uh, yes. yeah, it's uh, it's sometimes definitely... not, re- not not received very well. No, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's it's when you don't have a nickname that you have to be concerned. When you got a nickname, it's cool. It's when you yeah. don't have a nickname. It's when That's... you're known as like it's when you're known as Daniel or Matthew. <laughs> That's when you got a problem, right? I hate that guy. Yeah. All right. Okay. So let's move into the categories. We're here. The good, the bad, the ugly. We'll talk about some of the stuff that we think is good in the movie, some of the stuff we think is bad, and anything that's downright ugly. Dan, what do you got for good? Um, I, yeah, good. I mean, we'll keep it pretty brief tonight, but good for me was just there, there was no weak spots in this movie. So the more the more we revisit movies uh, over the, the course of this podcast, it's awesome. And and as a group, we all get to check them out and then chat about them and then hear your thoughts on the line and via MySpace and every, everywhere else we communicate with you, <laughs> you, you uh, pear lickers. But uh, I, I just found that there was nothing in this movie that I would take out. There was no real embellishment that... Uh, that wasn't necessary, that didn't drive the plot forward, that it's a real crisp, tight, tight, uh, tight movie. And I, I thought that was great. So it's, it, it's, I mean, it's obviously been lauded. It was the, the first of only three films, sorry, one of only three films to win that many Academy Awards in the, in those particular categories. So there's, it's fair to say that it critically, it, it was highly acclaimed. But yeah, that, that was what struck me about it on, on this watch was uh, just the fact that it was a very taut Taught script, um, excellent uh, way, and, and and I think Jonathan Demi was uh, was just incredible what he was able to do with what must have been a, a tough a tough shoot. And uh, yeah, again, talk a bit more about it in film school for efforts. But yeah, Jonathan Demi definitely brings a lot of style to the film that I, I think uh, it goes a long way to why it was so well received. Absolutely. Look for me, the movie's a masterpiece. Like it is, it's a perfect film. Yeah, again, there's there's no fat you can trim. I think the two leads are amazing. Obviously, it goes without saying. But I think it's also like Chilton and Jamie Gum, I think they're great as well. Like they, they really – they fill it out. Again, no bad no bad uh, performances at all. But for me, the final reveal, the edit 
at the end with the with the ringing of the bell, the door at Clarice at the door. You think she's at a different house? Wasn't she that rings fantastic? The bell. Yeah, um, yeah. It's inc- you still don't know until no. the door opens. How that clever! She's, yeah. mate, it is brilliant. It yeah. is, and then just that knowing you know before she knows that fuck she's in trouble here, but she she's quick, man. She she realizes pretty quickly that she's in up to her neck. So and I've, just that. I've I've seen this movie many 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 times, and I'm still not clear on how she got there when they had the wrong address. So it was he, she was checking out the seamstress that died. Yes. Is that that's yes. the, and it just yes. so happened coincidentally that Jane Gum had killed her and taken yes. over the house. So that was yes. that was right. Okay, brilliant. All right. Yeah. So it's always yeah. been a bit of a mystery as good, but no, no, I totally agree. That jewel setup. So where, she's in the, the the seamstress is in the bath. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh god, yeah. that was awful. Yeah. So uh, yes. Now one of the great, one of the great edits, one of the great edits Agreed. in film Agreed. history. Right. Agreed. It is. It it is so well done. It's just, just. And then obviously, the the tension that builds for that last fifteen to twenty minutes, and then obviously, culminating with the night goggles, uh, which is still burned into my memory today. Yes. Uh, from when I saw it in the cinema, it it, it never. Loses any of its punch. Was it a it's full cinema incredible. when we saw it? Full I cinema, to, yeah. I it was. It was zero recollection. I know you'd have no idea. It was a full cinema. Uh, we were sitting up the back row. Full cinema. Yeah. Everyone just walked out. Was blown away. Yeah. Uh, it just didn't, that last twenty minutes is incredible. Uh, look for the bad. I've got one thing. Go. The the title sequence looks like a six year old did it. I I was that's I've got exactly the same thing. I and that yeah. really struck out because you know what. Um, I mean, I, 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 let's say we were to do a film like Seven some other time uh, on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know, yes. It could be any time. But yeah. if you compare David Finch's credit sequence to what the fuck was going on with this one, like literally it would look yeah. like it was done with Poskas. It was awful. Yeah, absolutely. All I thought all I thought was someone's just got like a thick, bold, thick, bold font, put a white outline around it and uh, – We've already spent all the money on somewhere else and we just need to do this at the eleventh hour. It made no sense stylistically or it didn't it it seemed removed from what else they were trying to do with the film. So Yeah, it just seems like it's bare bones. I don't know whether like and that's and look, it's such a it's a real nitpick, but it does take away from it. And when you talk about David Fincher, like he then ups the game again for Girl and the Dragon Tattoo, which yeah. I think is the greatest Total uh, credit opening total sequence yeah. in the history of film. Yeah, oh, it's just argue. phenomenal. We'll look phenomenal. into that. We'll look into that, uh, fellow F wits in in future pods. But uh, I think that's a that's a that's a strong call and hard to argue. Yeah, absolutely. So then, anything for ugly, Daniel? No, I, I there was I, I even back to good. I liked the fact that they didn't have mobile phones. Like it was just a, <clears throat> it was this point in time where you just like Clarice was up shit creek. She couldn't just reach into a pocket. And grab her Pixel Six and uh, and call for backup. Like she was in all sorts of bother, and uh, the fact that they were, they were, she was speaking to, uh, to to Jack Starling when he's up in the uh, in the military aircraft via uh, via, via military radio to the, to the telephones. Like it's prehistoric. Kids these days yeah. just wouldn't have a clue what we went through. But it did remind me of the fact that when when we were that age and not long after that gal and I went on one of our first overseas travels where we went together and we, we went off to Canada and Europe but you wouldn't it, because you didn't have a mobile phone and there was no internet and you did you would you had a Telstra calling card where you would yeah. call reverse charges to your parents but you would do that every 3 months 
not every day. So yeah. people would just go on living their lives going, oh, you haven't seen my son in a while. I wonder what he's up to. Oh, I'm sure he'll call within the, in the next month or two. Like it was yeah. just a different time where you could do pretty much anything you want and no one had a camera phone there capturing it and well, sticking do, it on do you the think, line. Do you think that's, do you think that's why if you were going to do a thriller or a horror movie, a lot of them now are done back in time? I think, because yeah. the, the mobile phone has destroyed the thriller. Because you're walking home, just take out your mobile phone and go, oh, yeah, there's some guy following me or 911 or triple yeah. zero, whatever you're going to do, yep. and the movie's over, right? So I think that it's – I think anything that's like a thriller or, or, a, or a horror – Make it a period piece, but at least it's a little bit more believable. As as a viewer, as an audience too, we're able to to we, we don't spend any time thinking, oh, she should have used her phone, or it's, yeah. you know, we're able to get into that space of of where the director and where the story was created very quickly. So yeah, I, I think it's a good point. I think it it certainly makes it easier to put characters in distress and, and put obstacles in their way when they can't just call for a friend and get out of it really quickly. So it does make it difficult for contemporary screenwriters for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well done. That's pretty good. Oh look, for ugly, I had Migs because oh, he's just ugly. God. Right, but but also there's there's a level of respect there that we must have uh, for the shot through the bars. Oh, mate, uh, he's, he's a genius but, because it's a shame but, that Hannibal made him swallow his own tongue and uh, and die. So uh, yes, it yeah. was uh, no, and and just that whole those cells. I mean, God, what a what a yeah, god awful place. So uh, no, very very ugly, very ugly. Okay. On to the next one. Listen to this, Morgs. You uh, done any research for listen to this, or should I lead off? How about you have a crack at this one? Okay. All right. Okay. Look, uh, the first the first meeting between Jodie Foster and and uh, Hannibal Lecter. So uh, Clary Starling, Helen Lecter. When Lecter is mocking her about her accent, that was an improvised line, and it really shook Jodie Foster. She didn't know what to make of it. So that that whole reaction from her is real. She felt seriously self-conscious and put out, which added to the performance. Uh, and actually Isn't it rolls amazing on- that, that obviously this is, you know, there's so much money behind these productions and so much goes on to the into the original script. And ultimately some of this magic comes down to just the skill of an actor like Anthony Hopkins to think, actually my character would challenge this, this god-awful accent that's being put on by by Jodie Foster now. That's exactly what he would do to taunt her. So the fact that that magic comes out of an improv uh, part in a, in a, in yeah. a blockbuster like that, it's just, it's just incredible. And she actually avoided him for the whole shoot because he she felt uncomfortable around oh, him. Oh, God, he's so creepy. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. just No, brilliant. it's full on. Look, it's, it's, and we're and talking about the accent, house. I mean, I'm with, I'm, I'm with Anthony Hopkins on this one. Her accent was pretty bad. I've spent yeah, a bit of time down in the South recently and that, they don't talk <laughs> like that, so... It was funny you mentioned before about uh, the the house that James Gum has of the seamstress, mm. but uh, the, Ted Levine, that actual house was just around the corner from his high school girlfriend's house in no. his hometown that they filmed in. He's definitely so, yeah. he's a creepy unit. He's yeah, uh, he's creepy. He's creepy. But what's with houses in America with like 
basements and who has a well in their fucking house it was that's a pretty yes I, I, obviously they've taken a little bit of creative license <laughs> on that particular and uh yeah he wasn't wasn't the greatest uh upkeeper of his uh of his home but yes that uh and it was that, about a thousand square feet under the house the shot where um where the senator's daughter is gazing up and it's got the light on the brickwork and she yes. sees the fingernail so and the blood yes. oh, God, I mean, if that doesn't yeah. creep you out, yeah. then poor uh, Catherine. You're, you're not poor old Catherine, not a red blooded, uh, red blooded human. But no. yeah, uh, no, that's, I, I agree. I think that um, the fact that Hopkins was able to elicit that response out of such a yeah. storied actor like Jodie Foster just speaks volumes to, to how talented the guy is. Yeah. So, at, and also look at at twenty four, just under twenty five minutes. The performance of Hopkins is the second shortest performance to win an academy award that's so it's hard i mean it's hard to argue that he was um not a supporting actor in this that he was yes. a lead actor but yeah there's fuck yeah. all screen time like it's 24 yeah. 25 minutes total 20 24 52 and actually uh in terms of percentage of runtime he is the shortest of he's in only 21 percent of the film right and any yeah. idea who else was close to him i can tell you who was hmm. the 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 one previous was David Niven in 1958, who was in uh, separate tables, and his performance was 23 minutes and 39 seconds. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. But he was in a, a greater percentage of the film because it was yeah. obviously a shorter movie. Yeah, yeah that's it's, uh, no, it's fair. It's it's certainly on on looking back at the film too. It is. It's just scary how little he is uh, as far as screen time, but how much he commands the, the oh, screen when he's on it. It's, uh, it's amazing. So this this movie recouped its budget in its first week of release. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, recouped its budget. You just don't one. get movies like this anymore. Like it's no. you just there's not original content like this that, yeah. that can be standalone and obviously this one spawned quite a few, <clears throat> few sequels, but to have uh, such a unique story, it's it just doesn't happen now. Fuck you, Marvel. Absolutely. Look, and and we talked we've talked earlier about Top Gun about how uh, the Navy latched on the Top Gun and had full support because they used it as a recruiting tool. FBI did the same thing for this movie. They behavioral saw it was science get... unit, behavioral science unit. Yeah, well, obviously, a... name checked a lot in our uh, in, in our film, The Guard, that was obviously a favourite of the Born to Watchers. <laughs> <laughs> it's high. It's high up on the ladder. God, it's definitely yeah. It's, 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 it's reviewed well. Reviewed well, listened little. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, uh, yeah. That yeah, was and that I, was one. That was like Bon Jovi singing one for himself before he plays the hits. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and you're going to talk a little bit about the the, the cameras, uh, the camera yeah. angles. I'm sure in yeah, film for school, sure, for sure. Uh, and and I've already mentioned that Jodie Foster, after she'd read the novel, wanted to buy the rights, but Hackman had already beaten her to it. Um, which is pretty amazing. And did, so, she, so as part of the listen to this, though, Hackman was talked out of doing it by his daughter. Is that right? I, th- I, remember, I think so, yeah. 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 He was, she decided that it was uh, it was just too gory and, and something that he shouldn't be in uh, involved in. So that's why he let the rights lapse and uh, it was picked up by the, um, by the, the current producing team and, and Jonathan Demme obviously ultimately yeah. directed it. But, yeah, that was the only reason that Hackman wasn't involved because his daughter said, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, probably a bit of a sliding doors moment there, as Gail would say. Uh, we've done one degree of Kurt Russell. That's Scott Glenn. Yeah, and it's easy. also yeah. Anthony Heald for Silkwood. Yeah. 
Uh, let's move into notable quotables. And uh, you got anything there, Dan, or you want me to keep uh, going? Look, I, I mean, obviously, I've, I've spoiled this, but anything that James Gum says throughout, I just love it. Like, it's so <laughs> quotable. But uh, is she gripping fat girl? <laughs> I just, it's, uh, you know, it's just fair. And then the the scene, obviously, with Precious and Catherine at the end of the world, but yeah. it puts the lotion in the basket. Uh, it, it rubs the lotion, lotion on its it, skin. It rubs the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose <laughs> it gets again. Gets the hose again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. we've been saying that for the last thirty years. Like it's yeah. just such an iconic, ridiculous uh, line of dialogue, but uh, something that comes back to us all the time. So yeah, any and then James Gum, would you fuck me? I'd, I'd fuck, fuck me. me. I'd fuck me. Like that's disturbing. Oh, yeah. It, it yeah, really that is. is disturbing. Uh, As he's it, dancing with the. With the whole sausage between the legs, it is. It's interesting though. So obviously he's portrayed as a a, a trans man or interested as a, a portrayed as a, a trans character in the film. But yes. it's interesting that um, they do go some way to not alienate trans people. Even back in 1991, when Starling says or or, or um, Corey says or, or or Jack says that. It's unusual for trans people to obviously, but they didn't want to demonise the trans community back all the way back then, which I think is fantastic. And I, I think that yeah. was was really interesting in the rewatch that because if you if you put a twenty twenty two lens on it, it would be an absolute uproar that it was uh, demonising a, a minority in the community. But it's no, I think it's handled quite well. And this guy's a fucked up unit. It doesn't matter what he's into. He just Correct. happens Correct. to uh, to to identify trans in in the film. So I thought that was yeah. really interesting. Yeah, I've got a couple. I've just got uh, Hannibal Lecter, a census taker, once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Yeah, and who doesn't love a nice Chianti? <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, yes. And I, and, I love, and I love just the, uh, the, this is early in the movie, you know. Why do you think he removes their skins, Agent Starling? Enthrall me with your acumen. <laughs> it excites him. Most serial killers keep some sort of trophies from their victims. I didn't. No. You no, you them. ate yours. <laughs> you can pass that through now. <laughs> yeah, very good. And then, and then I've got, the, of course, the very last line of the movie. I'm having an old friend for dinner. Oh, fantastic! Is very good. And that, and unfortunately, you you can only get the um the great. Response out of that once, but um, yeah, just yeah. A, just a brilliant, brilliant, uh, brilliant line. Very good. All right, we're at that time. We're at that time. A huge part of the podcast. Film school for Fwits. Yes, and Dan's Dan's back in. Fellow Fwits, I foreshadowed this throughout the whole pod, just because it, it was really striking for me on the rewatch, and I'll uh, I'll make it really quick tonight, but. The um, Jonathan Demi as the director, his style is, uh, is is definitely unique, and it's become a little more widely used since then. But in 1991, the use of the really tight close up, and uh, and the, the the basically, if you, if you think about when you rewatch this, or if you haven't rewatched it, think about all the scenes where it looks as if Hannibal and Clarice and and some of the other characters are actually looking into the camera when they say their dialogue, which it, which is really unique. And it, it it's a use that directors use when they they want to basically make the audience part of uh, of of the experience, and it feels like if you if you think about 
Lecter in particular, it feels like he's delivering his lines to us as an audience. So it just makes it 72% more creepy throughout. But it also means that you have to trust your actors as a director implicitly, because if it's just their head, and if you think about movie screens, we're not watching it on our TX, our 62-inch TX or 42-inch TX. If you're watching it on a huge movie screen at, um, at Conroy at Roma Starker's joint, then it's literally the entire actor's head is taking up the screen. So everything we want to learn from that from that moment is being conveyed by the skill of the actor and, and their ability to convey the emotion that the director's after. So it, it's it's a really big risk as a, as a filmmaker to do it. And Jonathan Demme just and I think it comes down a lot to the skill of the actors in this particular film. But it was really really unique to have that level of close up and tight headshot on the actors and. If you think about, so it's something you mightn't have come across in watching film, but there's a thing called the 180 degree line, which is is basically when you look at dialogue shots to make sure that it seems realistic that the actors are actually talking to themselves. The the director, the editors don't break what's called the 180 degree line, which uh, it, it, the, the early filmmakers actually took a, a long time to discover this. And there was some pretty, pretty wonky um, response shots and, and um, uh, that were used in, in early filmmaking before they discovered that, no, you had to actually have this as sacrosanct when you have two actors talking to each other and you don't break this 180 degree line. But Jonathan Demi goes as close to breaking the line as you possibly can without breaking it with this use of the, uh, of the extreme close-up or the, the super tight close-up and it's if you look at Clarice or if you look at Hopkins especially looks as if he's looking straight down the barrel of the camera Clarice it looks like she's looking off to the side and actually engaging with the uh, with the other actors but it's a really disconcerting feeling as, a, as an audience to, to have it but it's just comes down to skill of director skill of actor and trust between actor and director to uh, to use that in filmmaking and, and Demi went on to use it in his other Oscar-winning film, which was Philadelphia as well, a similar technique, and and kind of became, I guess, a, a bit of a torchbearer for that. And and the centering of everything in the frame is something that has been picked up by directors and auteurs like Wes Anderson. That, that, that's a common technique in a lot of his films, where rather than um, a, a composing traditionally the screen with the uh, with the, with the subject a little offset in in the frame, it's actually centered, and that, that's something that Demi used as well. So a little bit of a nerd out tonight, but um, when you when you if you haven't rewatched it, just go back and check that when they do when Demi does use that that uh, really tight close up. And uh, it, it's something that you, you wouldn't have seen, especially in films from that era, And it, it, although it's become a bit more prevalent now. But again, Whitey mentioned it earlier, and I think that everyone would agree that the, for sheer fear, the the uh, night goggle lenses point of view shot of Jane Gum at the end is just what an incredible, incredible setup. So if you're not scared for Clarice in, in that uh, that particular moment, then you're not a living, living breathing human. But again, that, that was quite unique uh, for use at the time. But he just does it so masterfully. And when uh, when Buffalo Bill's actually reaching out to stroke Clarice's hair in that in the dark and the absolute panic that you see on her face like it's just such a brilliant use of 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 director's skill in the art of storytelling which uh, really makes it and i think goes a long way to making it the masterpiece that um that, that many people consider it well done dan yeah it's really interesting i just i was just reading a thing there just a little bit in my research before where it's like whenever clarice is talking to them 
she's always looking off camera. Yep. But when they're talking to her, it's a direct shot straight on. Yep. So that you are, you're only really feeling like it's, you're seeing it from her point of view. Yep. You're never getting the the square on shot when, when they're looking at her. Really clever. Like it's, the, the shit these people think of. Oh, it's just, yeah. The, it's the, it's the, just next level stuff, right? To, to consider these people colleagues is just one, one of my great honours in, in life <laughs> as, a, as a screenwriter myself. But uh, no, I mean, all jokes aside, it, just incredible the, the way he's able to do that. And yeah, check it out on the rewatch. But um, yeah, a bit, uh, bit, a, bit, a, bit of technicality for you tonight. Well done. Like, like a bit of technical. Mm. Like a bit of technical. And one, look, one of the greatest travesties is we have to go from talking about to a guy who was at the top of his game in, in directing a, a masterpiece of a movie, talking about the way that he composes a shot. It's just utter artistry to the Stan Bush kick-ass credit song, oh, which yes. is the direct polar opposite of what Jonathan Demme has done in Silence of the Lambs. Well, this, is not, this is not going to win Silence of the Lambs a sixth Academy Award. That is for certain. Who knows? And I'm on the block. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope it's not me because I certainly haven't uh, used two minutes out of my day to write one, so I'm glad it's you. Um, well, what, this, yeah, what are we talking? I was very I was very excited when this was going to be Gow's kick-ass credit song because it, it was not an easy one to write, but I didn't take very long to write it. And it's sort of a bit bastardised from a tune that's sort of in my head from somewhere else, but it sort of it riffs a bit. It's tangential, as I would say. And uh, this song is called Lotion. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, okay. I guess, uh, do you need me to intro you in or are you just going to take it away? Mate, it's, if, please intro me. Please intro well, me. Well, fellow F-wits, uh, it's a great title of the pod. Let's hear it from M. White, the Stan Bush kick-ass credit song. We have Lotion. Don't be feeling bad if you're big through the hips. There's a guy in the bushes and he's licking his lips. James Gum is his name, but his nickname is Bill. He's gonna use skin for a suit. He's long lasting thrill. But he makes a mistake. He covers what he's seeing. Stalin's on the case now. She'll stop those lamps from screaming. With the help from a doctor with a love for human flesh. Liver Chianti, father beans is what he does best. Apply the lotion to the skin. Bill's gonna wait till you're thin. Fingernails and wool. A shitty bucking dog You'll be found in the river like a rotten log Lotion, lotion, lotion Apply the lotion or you'll get the hose (laughs) Well, well, well done Oh, wow Is it fair to say you got lost in your phrasing a little there? Absolutely Absolutely, every week uh, I do yeah, uh, the 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 um apply the lotion to your skin is where I lost it. I was killing it. I was killing oh, it until it doesn't it doesn't take anything away from what it was a fantastic effort. Absolutely well done. Love the lyrics. Love the bridge. Thought it was fantastic. You do have a style to your Stan Bush song, so <laughs> there's definitely some uh, some common common refrains that I've started here. Yes. But no, that was uh, that was brilliant. That's well fine. Played. And well that's played. what it's about. It's like Gow sticking with the mullet. Oh. Oh, he's yeah. got his. He's got his thing. Uh, look, I, I'm very proud. I must say that I'm very proud of. Don't be feeling bad if you're big through the hips. There's a guy in the bushes and he's licking his lips. <laughs> it was a strong, strong opening. Yeah, uh. yeah. Uh, 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 that that was the start. I got the. Uh, uh, that was the. That was it. I knew I was away. 
And uh, yeah, so anyway, so well very done, proud mate. of that one. Well done. It's not one of my best, but oh, uh, I short notice. I disagree. I disagree. I think I, lyrically it was uh, it was superb. Well played. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, from one star of the show to another. Let's talk about who we think is the star of Science of the Lambs. Well, we always, we always forget freaking over and unders. We should do that this week. So yeah, how, okay. how many well, times do you reckon you've seen this? Or what, what's the market? What's the market? Okay, I'm going to say came out in 91. It's 31 years old. I, I'm comfortable in saying over and under 35. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm over 35, well and truly. I'd be under 35. I reckon I'm, okay. I'm around 20. Okay. Yeah. That's a good that's a good hit. Yeah. Demo so that's a that's equivalent of a demo one point seven five. What does that guy do with his time? I mean, obviously he's got mm. dancing and uh and, and yeah. some of his other hobbies. But... He's got a lot of uh, extracurricular activities, surfing, yeah, dancing, that's it. Icing his long corks. Who only uh, watches lot, got... who picks tremors after only seeing it two and a half times? Like what what's going on with that cat? Well, he and, and he'd seen Avatar five times. Yeah, wow. so that's the equivalent of a hundred times. In yeah. <laughs> but no, I think yeah, for thirty five, obviously uh, spending a bit of time. Would you have put this on in the video store? Yeah, this was a Saturday night, wow, so this would go say, on yeah. sort of after nine o'clock. After yeah. night, it was definitely not in it on like a Saturday at four o'clock when no. there's kids in the shop. But definitely mm. was watching the video shop, which which gets my numbers up. Yes, some of my numbers are bloated because of video shop watching. That's all right. That's and all right. When, when we when we get to some of the bigger movies, i.e. the Star Wars uh, original trilogy, maybe Jaws, and and a couple of movies like that, you're going to see some really inflated yeah, numbers because some non rookie numbers. The, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Those are not rookie numbers in this racket. Okay, so star of the show, Morgs, uh, who you got for Science of the Lambs? Uh, Anthony Hopkins is unbeatable. The guy's on screen for 24 minutes and he makes the the movie. I think Jodie Foster's great. I think the ensemble's very good, uh, but unbeatable. Anthony Hopkins is the star of this. Jonathan Demme, close second. Yeah, I, I agree. Can't can't disagree. I'm 100% with you. It's Anthony Hopkins. Uh, everyone is great. But, and Jonathan Demme is amazing. But for 25 minutes, he blows us away and it's forever will be the character that he will be remembered for. And wouldn't be at all surprised that on his headstone it says Hannibal Lecter, not Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, but very true. But what a performance! Uh, okay, look, obviously we're huge fans of Science of the Lambs. It was a movie that, that that changed the world, and I'm proud to say that I can remember seeing it in 1991. I wish I cinema. could. And I'm sure I had well, a good time in 1991. Yeah, I, I got remember. no doubt you had. I, I had no doubt you had, had some good time. You probably had a pair of Asics on, uh, high tops, <laughs> and stonewashed jeans, and. Uh, and a and a, a a Red Sox jacket that your dad had brought back from for you. Yeah. It was it was probably it was your go to uniform. Uh, let's let's move let's move into the rank bank and uh, talk about what we're going to rate this movie. This yeah, is an interesting are, one. What are the options? Okay, so the options today. The choice is Death's Head Moths. Death's Head Moths. Bottles of Chianti. Yeah. Fava beans. Yeah. Human skin suits. <laughs> Dangly nipple rings. <laughs> oh yeah, James Gum. Oh wow. And screaming lambs. So Ooh. they were the. I think were the six that I've got. I, I think it's got to be fava beans. I think that's probably the most yeah, iconic. I think, I th- yeah, I think it probably uh, that was what I was. I was either mm. bottles of Chianti or fava beans. Yeah. Right? I'm happy with fava beans. Let's go with fava beans. Okay, so out of five morgues, how many fava beans are you going to be giving 
Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, this is an absolutely excellent movie. Uh, it's four and a half for me every day of the week. Thoroughly enjoyed it on the rewatch. I'll watch this for the rest of my life. It, it's just a, a brilliant movie and uh, it, it's four and a half every day of the week. Well, this is another easy one for me because for me it's four and a half as well. I've rated this one nine on my little list that I have on on uh, IMDb uh, and it's four and a half for me. So that's an easy one. That's four and a half fava beans for Science of the Land. Where's that, where's that put it? That's going to put it, just let me hit sort here on the on the spreadsheet. And that is going to put it, hang on a minute. You're doing so I, well. <laughs> no, I I forgot to I for, just forgot to do something in the spreadsheet. So uh, didn't didn't Huey just... um, uh, Keith McNobb sent you a spreadsheet? He been using that? No, I've 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 uh, I've got a spreadsheet. Hang on, fuck me. So at four point five fava beans, and got to remember that this is a a duo. So we don't have the three of us in the in the studio, and Gal will get a chance on some stage to. To rate Science of Lambs. This is equal first place. Oh, with the thing. wow. Yeah. So this is equal first place on 4.5 Fava Beans, which is equal to the thing's 4.5 Flame Throwers. And just above Top Gun Maverick at 4.33 Hard Decks, First Blood at 4.33 King Shit Cops. So it is in the preeminent position yeah. number no, one and, and equal des- first deservedly so i couldn't i don't yes. think that can be argued this we've done some absolutely banging films but if yeah if you had if it was a desert island and uh, you had to take only only half a dozen of these bad boys with you on dvd then this one makes the cut for sure absolutely look good effort there that's a great that's a great spot for it deservedly deserve it now morgs you're watching anything this week um, welcome to Wrexham. I'm just getting through, loving it, uh, loving really, it, really yeah, enjoying I'm it. it. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's keeping me up, and that's been pretty busy on the land. So, hasn't haven't had a chance to get into much else. Where are you? Yeah, look, I've gone old school. I've revisited a couple movies with uh, my uh, eight year old daughter, Belle. Uh, we watched. It's a bit of a Paulie Shaw marathon. Oh my god! Going right back to the noise. So no Son in law. Son in law. Yeah, we watched. We yeah. watched Son in law first. Yeah. Uh, which she absolutely loved. Wow! And and then we watched Encino oh, Man, which she no liked. In the jazz. No ways in the jazz. <laughs> no ways in the jazz. No ways in the jazz. No ways in the jazz. But son-in-law, she absolutely loved. Uh, she actually was in hysterical laughter at a couple scenes. Holy Shaw definitely uh, had a moment there back. I she had five minutes. She had five minutes. Ninety-one. Ninety-one. Ninety-one and ninety-two. Yep. So ninety-one is. Uh, Encino Man. No, it's 92 and 93. 92 is Encino Man, 93 is uh, Son-in-Law. Yeah. And they're good movies, man. That, I remember we absolutely were oh, obsessed with Son-in-Law. Totally. Encino Son Man. And, and, yeah, we, we just and Encino them. Man. Mm. Yeah, we did. But uh, but it was good to revisit them. And, and good ones for the kids, actually. You'd be able to watch them with, with the girls. Yeah, uh, they'll, nice. they'll thoroughly enjoy it. We've actually done, Isabel and I have done a little, uh, a little podcast, the two of us, called Love It, Sort of Hate It. And we've spoken about Son-in-Law. Excellent. In one of the episodes, which we'll be releasing shortly. Fantastic. Um, so stay tuned, watchers. You can you can support an eight-year-old girl in her dream to be just like her dad. Wow. Who which doesn't is, want to be that? Which is frightening. Have you, did you guys get through Baywatch? Did you get through all we're still going. episodes? We're, no, it's still going. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we've, we've started season three. We're up to uh, episode three, season three. Nice. It's a grind. Yeah. Uh, 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 
Pamela Anderson has just joined the fray, so Ooh, very CJ. excited about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the sooner that uh, Erica Eleniak uh, moves out, because Ooh. she's a pain in the ass, a Shawnee, she's yeah. high maintenance, and Eddie, you can do better. Yes, Even though can, she's Eddie. stunning, just not worth it, as we're finding out with Tom Brady. Sometimes Ooh. the poontang just ain't worth it. Yes. Good. I'm team, uh, I'm okay. team, I'm team Giselle in that. I'd be team Giselle too, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, look, okay. Great episode, Dan. Uh, at short notice, we I think we've done pretty well as a duo. We did miss our, our brother, uh, the G-Man, and we're yeah. looking forward to having him back. Well, fucking, I don't, back I in don't the, want to know any. He, he brings so much stats to this. I just, I, he does. I, it just I, wasn't I, the I'm same. I'm the colour guy. I don't want to know about yeah. having to do any research. This is ridiculous. We've both extended ourselves today. I think we've mm. uh, we've done ourselves proud, and we've and we've done uh, we've done Gow proud, which is what matters the most. But we will have him back in the studio. Oh, thank God! This, this next episode, and we'll also have a special guest. Oh, Damo from Vicky Point is joining us again. Excellent. Uh, and we are. And what movie are we going to do for that episode? Keeping along with Spooky October. Well, coincidentally, I did watch it uh, earlier this week, which is uh, just a, such a great coincidence. But it, uh, I think we're going to visit 1995 with uh, David Fincher, the auteur, uh, bringing his absolute masterpiece Seven to uh, to the screens for us and for fellow F-wits. So, uh, yeah, what, uh, what what an enjoyable experience that'll be for everyone. Go and check it out. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty disturbing, but uh, worth, uh, worth a revisit. Well, it's interesting because it's Finch's second movie, Alien 3, which he lost total control yeah. of. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's absolutely obvious that he said, fuck you guys, I'm doing it my way, <laughs> and this is what I'm going to do. And I'm telling you what, if, if Silence of the Lambs changed the face of the thriller movie, Seven said, hold my beer. It did. And I'm going again. Disturbing, it, I'm, disturbing. I'm very much looking forward to visiting with uh, Detective Somerset and Detective Mills. And until next week, we shall see you on the line. And for me, it's bye for now. See ya, F. It's been great. Duos suck. Can't wait to have the G-Man back. Touche. Thank you for listening to this episode of Born to Watch. To join us on our journey into some of our favourite movies of all time, you can find us on all good podcast networks like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star review and share with your friends. 